0: for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Matthew chapter 1, if you have your Bibles. If you're new, welcome to Faith Assembly. Glad you've joined us. If you already heard Visit our Next Steps area. We'd love to just connect with you there and uh, just uh, give you a gift. Say, say uh, thanks for coming, welcome, and uh, uh, provide any information. But we're glad you've joined us. We're in a series uh, that we've called Imagine, and it's our Christmas series here at Faith Assembly. And man, didn't Pastor Kyle do a great job last week kicking us off in the, the untroubled heart? Um, did a great job just sharing, uh, just sharing this, this hope that we have, that where he is, we can be also. And uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. And uh, pray this, this Christmas season that you can know the joy in that. I want to look today and uh, looking in imagining. Uh, in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to take a look. Uh, imagine. In fact, imagine. C- can you imagine? Can you imagine being young, vibrant, uh, healthy, and strong? Some of you are like, i got to think a long way back to remember that. Some of you are like, I'm right there right now. Imagine you're at a place in life's transition. Imagine you're about ready to step into this transitional moment, to move into what's next for you. Imagine that, that you're you maybe in a family where there's a family business and, and you get to take the reins and move into the next, the, the next level. The opportunities are endless. All that's in front of you, imagine those moments. Imagine that in that process you have found The woman, guys, you found the woman that you wanna spend the rest of your life with. Imagine that. And if you're already sitting beside her, this is your moment to squeeze her knee, hug her around the neck, whatever. And if you didn't do that and I had to cue you, you missed it. So time's up, you can't go back now. You missed it. But imagine you're in that moment and and you're in life's transition. You find the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. You ask the question. She says yes to the ring and to you, hopefully not in that order. But anyway, whatever that might be, she said yes. The opportunity is there. The horizon is big. It's wide. You're imagining all that could be. And she leans in and whispers into your ear, I'm pregnant and you know it's not yours. How many know that just messed up the imagination right there? This is the story in Matthew chapter 1. Someone's like, that's a weird story. It's in the Bible. And you thought the Bible was boring. You need to go back and read this word. This is the life of Joseph. I want to look in Matthew chapter 1. In in Joseph, and I'm asking this question, what do we do when life does not go the way we imagine? What do we do when life doesn't go the way that we imagine? Would you stand with me today in Matthew chapter 1? You can follow along on version, the Bible app uh, under live events are also on our screen uh, here today. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. I all, always like to remind young people that only happened once and it will never happen again. So you can't blame it on anybody, but all right. Verse 19, Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. I love this, that here is a New Testament, in the New Testament, a prophecy given, but it pulls the Old Testament to, con- to convey and to even give confirmation. I want you to know that anytime you get a word from God, it always needs to line up with what God's word says. Amen. It always needs to line up with the truth of God's word. And here, there will be one who comes... And he's saying it's not just what we're saying right now, but even the angel referring to what was said, that this was to fulfill what was in the Old Testament. In verse 23, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. How many are thankful that we can truly call him Emmanuel, a God who is with us? That this confirmation that he brings, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, somebody say, wake up. Nudge your neighbor, tell him, wake up. If they're sleeping while they're standing, they're good. I mean, that's, that's good. Joseph woke up. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the name that is above every name, and thank you for the hope that we share today. I pray that this hope would come alive in our hearts and, God, that we would grow in this knowledge, Lord, to imagine, to, to see the God who's able to do even more than we could ask, think, or even imagine. We pray your blessing on this word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Before you're seated, here's what I want you to do. Find somebody. I want you to speak life over them today. Would you find somebody and just tell them today, it's going to be better than you imagine? Just tell them that right now. I don't know what it is they're going through. I don't know what it might be. It's going to be better than you imagine I want to uh, I want to take the next couple moments here today and just share from this title this morning and the title is this more than a theory If you're taking notes, always uh, an opportunity maybe just to uh, kind of retrieve hold on to and come back to and and uh, we'll even give some points along the way just for for us to to uh, uh, consider, hopefully grow from, and, and develop on, living our lives and our faith more than, more than a theory, more than a theory. I've been making an observation just in culture and society, and one of the things that I've come to really the conclusion of in our culture and our society is this, that we think more than we know. Now, what I mean by that is I don't mean that we're not aware of how often we think what, what I mean, in fact, is, is not just that we're not aware of how often we think, but instead we don't realize or we don't really know the truth about the stuff we think we do. Sometimes we're so easy to give our opinion and our input, and we speak, and we think often, and we speak freely, but sometimes we're not really even sure about what it is we're talking about. We just have an opinion, and we just don't mind sharing our opinion. Now, some of you are like, no, every opinion I have is God's truth that it's just. So I'm sure, but just pretend it's not, okay? That we're all prone to the opinions, the ideas, and, and we become, and, and one of the things is this, that, that we become a culture of experts without experience. We become a culture of experts without experience and I really think a lot of it has to do to the media outlets not against it just stating a fact and that is this that media outlets today in our culture has created the opportunity for us to speak so openly but be closed off to accountability we're, we're in the place where we can speak so openly but closed off to accountability and there's a problem with this pattern the the pattern that when we're so free to think that we think more than we know, that we talk about something that's really an opinion that we really don't have true conviction or idea about. The, the pattern when left unattended, it always creates a deficit. And here's what I want you to see, that when we, when we just freely share our opinions without really knowing what it is we're talking about. Let me see if you can relate to this. Have you ever had a moment where you had an opinion about something in one circle of people with a conversation, but in another circle of people of conversation with people, it was no longer the same opinion that you had because the opinion that you had was somehow affected by the people you were talking to and the place that you're in. How many of, don't raise your hand, you don't have to do that, but <laughs> thank you, Joe. You make me feel better, so I don't, I'm not the only one oftentimes, I know this is true, you can have an, a, a political opinion about something, and you feel this way, but then in the, the moment you're in another circle, and there are people that you might think, well, they might not think the same way that I do. Some It might be some things maybe not so black and white, whatever it is, but we're so free to share opinion, and here's the problem with that. When we're free to share opinion, and we're not matched by accountability, that's a danger. When we're left open to a pattern that produces free thinking, and we ought to be free thinking, we are free thinking, but if we're not held to be accountable for the things we say and what we do, there's a danger because the lack of accountability over time will then produce a a lack of productivity. That when things are not held accountable, over time they'll no longer be producing and productive. Why? Because the structure of holding it accountable is now removed. And when you remove accountability, it opens the door to anything goes. How many know welcome to America in 2018? Welcome to the world in 2018. Now, that's not me putting down anything. That's me just stating the truth of what is. But the Bible said in the last days, people become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What's that mean? They'll love the pleasures of their own will and desire, the many things, and not the one thing not the one truth, the one fashion, the one that is is above all things, that we can have many opinions. I I think it's interesting not to make a statement or maybe not to make a point, but just something that's interesting to me that we're in the day that we are as a culture, some of the most educated people. I mean, come on, you don't even need a degree from a university. You can just go to Google. I mean, we're the most educated people. I mean, how many of you have the Google Home that you sit in your house and you ask that thing a question and it tells you how... Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You might get it for Christmas. Put it on your list and be good this year. I don't know. The the Google, you can just ask the question. Hey, Google. Hey, Siri. Hey, we are so educated. We've got education all around us. But here's what's interesting to me. In a culture when we're the most educated, do you know that we lack the most in skilled laborers who are able to provide the, 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 the regular resources? We don't have enough, we, we don't have enough welders, we don't have enough skilled laborers, we don't have enough electricians, enough people who can do skilled jobs. Isn't it interesting that we're the most educated, full of knowledge, but yet we lack experience? That's not a put down, it's just a statement, it's a reality. Why? Because we elevate oftentimes what we're doing and and is that we're elevating in the ability to have a theory, but not to hold it accountable. That we're not operating in experience. There's something to be said for experience. That knowledge, knowledge that increases without experience will always leave us at a deficit. If your knowledge is not connected to an experience, it'll leave you at a deficit. I gained the knowledge of how to change oil in a car when I was 16 years old. Thank you to Mr. Breekner, my second job that I had in high school. He, there was a knowledge of how to change the oil. But I gained experience by learning, or I learned how to change the oil by knowledge, but I learned to never, never forget to put the oil cap back on out of experience. <laughs> experience taught me something altogether different. So you can have a knowledge of something but if that knowledge doesn't become tested then it's never really proven and it's only left in a theory. It was March 17, 2008. I was in my office writing in my morning devotions and time. How do I know the date? Because recently I was going through my, my, my journal just looking at things that I've written in my time with the Lord and time of prayer and I went back 10 years and it was on March 17th of that year, 10 years ago. I was 30 years old, sitting in my office as a Youth Alive Missionary. Now, what that meant was we were working in youth ministry at the time. Many of you know that we were youth pastors here and then relocated for a period of time as we served as Youth Alive Missionaries. I had the privilege of working with other churches in the area of youth ministry. We would go in and help them conduct and do youth outreaches, specifically to the public schools. It was a heartbeat of ours. It was the, what God had put in our heart to do and a calling. And I found myself in a role that was a little bit like a consultant. I was a bit of a consultant to youth pastors and, and to helping them do ministry. I, I think it's interesting. I, I, I was talking to a group of, of college students. They're not from here. So that's usually all the way to, because if I don't say they're not from here, like, I wonder who that was. I didn't laugh out loud in front of them, but I chuckled when I said to them, so what do you want to do when you get out of college? And they said, well, when I graduate, I want to be a business consultant. I thought, how do you consult when you've not even done any experience? But we've elevated to that point. Like, I get the privilege of telling you something without even having the experience of it. I'm sitting in my office, writing in my journal, and I'm in the, I'm Two, almost three years into being a consultant of sort, talking to youth pastors of how to do ministry. And I remember writing in my journal, because I just read it, not a 10 year memory. It's not that good, but I knew the essence of it. And I just read it and it said this as a prayer. God, help me to not get good at doing ministry in theory. Help me not get good at doing ministry in theory. Here's why. Because I can consult youth pastors about doing youth ministry. The only problem is the longer I'm no longer a youth pastor, I become not as relevant anymore because I'm removed from the everyday trial of carrying out. It's one thing to say I have an idea. Hey, here's how it ought to work, but not being accountable to making sure it does. When you're just a consultant and you can just give ideas, and it was in me to say, God, help me not get good at doing ministry in theory and disconnect from practice. So let me ask you today, if you were writing in your prayer journal and writing before God, would you have to write before God today? God, help me in my, minute, in my spiritual life to not let my faith become a theory, but to let it become practice. That my faith is not just a theory. You see, anything remains a theory until it's tested. Until it's tested, it's just a theory, but it's faith when it goes through the fire. It's faith when it goes through the moment of, that's not what I imagined. That's not what I expected. That's not what I thought it would be. Joseph, in the moment, not not certain that it would be this way. Knowledge can produce opinion, but experience produces conviction. I want to encourage us to not be comfortable to just living our lives with opinion, but living our lives with conviction there's the difference of conviction now oftentimes we hear conviction we're like well that's that's an old church term that just means to put down no that's condemnation and the enemy wants you to misunderstand the two condemnation is not conviction conviction comes from confidence so to be quite honest you ought to have conviction because if you have conviction you're living with confidence and if you're living with confidence you're living with destiny with determination with purpose Now, if you don't have conviction, then you're living with opinion. And you know what that is? It'll change for whatever's in the wind, whatever day, however you feel, whatever moment. You just cross from one side to the other. It just depends on what the day is. And is our faith caught in the moments of theory, depending on how it is, or what is our faith going through the testing moments of life? Now James said this, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance will produce and work in you so that you can be mature and complete and not lack anything. So God is allowing us in the moments, the stages, the seasons of life that we're going to be tested. We've got to be tested. How do you handle the tests? You don't need to raise your hand, but maybe today you'd say, Jason, I'm going through a testing moment. I'm being tested in a relationship. I'm being tested in finance. I'm being tested. Can I say to you, don't look at that and say, woe is me. Look at that and say, how great God is, because he's given me a moment to watch his faithfulness come through. He's given me a moment to watch him at work in my life. Here's Joseph. He's a good Jewish boy, Joseph's a good kid. Joseph's kind, he's devout, he honors his father and mother. I mean, he's taken on the family business, he's a good man, he's a good guy, he's a good Joseph, good boy, Joseph, he's wonderful. And then things happen that he didn't expect. I mean, I'm serving God, I love God, I love God. I honor my parents. I, I I go to the the temple for worship. I I do what I'm supposed to do as a Jewish person. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, or everything that's supposed to be done. And I know that God's going to bless because I've read the I've read the the Old Testament. He wouldn't have called it the Old Testament because okay, just follow along. Um, anyway, somebody like you're real into the history. Like, that's not true. They didn't. Ease up, ease up. Okay, you got Uh, he's reading what would have been in deuteronomy as moses would have spoken that if you honor the lord he'll bless you that god will come if you do what pleases the lord he'll direct your steps he'll honor you he's reading all of this believing all of this going along he's got the job he's got the life moment he's got the opportunity he's got the girl he's got everything in front of him and she's pregnant Whoa, whoa, whoa 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 god Listen, God, I'm a good Jewish person, and I'm doing good things for you, and this is what I get, that the woman I want, so I'm a good guy, so I'm even going to divorce her quietly. Now, I know some of us, we're like reading this through the religious lens, like, no, Joseph was like, oh, and you were like, oh, perfect, and they never had any thoughts. They're like, everything was just, they were just holy, and no, they they were holy, but they were real people. If you think being holy means that you always live on a cloud and everything is perfect in your life, the only thing that is a cloud is toilet paper, and that's as close as you're going to get to it, okay? That's as close as it's going (coughs) to get. Why would you clap for that? Stop it. Don't encourage that. Come on. Grow up. I don't even know why I said that. There's, here's, they were real people. Do you know Joseph is like, my world is falling apart here. I mean, what are people going to think? I mean, I know it's not mine. She said it was the Holy Spirit. Now, I know you and I are like, it was a miracle. Imagine being the one in the moment. Like, oh, yeah, it was a miracle. I'm sure that's your first thought. What are you doing? What? God, what is this? And so he made plans to divorce her quietly. You see, what happens when things don't go, when life doesn't go the way you imagine? Because if you've lived long enough, it's already happened. If you've lived long enough, it's already happened. If you're young as a teenager, man, I'm not setting you up for, you know, well, get ready. No, I'm telling you, the best things happen when you trust God through the difficult places in life. I'm not telling you, well, get ready. Everybody's got that life and we just go through it. No, I'm telling you, there's a God who orders our steps. And in the moments that look like unfortunate, difficult things, there's a God by his grace and his mercy that brings the better and greater things out. Even as Tim read that these things are temporary, but there's greater things that we trust in a God who brings on the other side. So I'm not saying, well, wait till it's your turn. I'm saying, hold on and trust God. Because when it's your turn, watch God do something great in your life. That's what I'm telling you. Because life happens. Sometimes it's not the devil attacking me. Sometimes it's life happens. Sometimes it's just life happens. We live in a world that's broken, it's fallen, and life happens. Shared with our staff this week and our staff devotions and and our our monthly prayer meeting and, and training time is that be careful that we don't call things out there spiritual attack when really the spiritual attack is not what's off in the distance, it's what's right here going on inside the heart. Guard your heart, humble yourself. That's where the spiritual attack is. Spiritual attack, yes, the enemy can use those things, but ultimately, you're not affected by what your health report is. You're affected by where your faith is in trusting God because the God you believe in is able to bring you beyond and over whatever it is you face in life because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That we've gotta have this perspective that we have hope in front of us. What do you do when things don't go the way you imagine? Here's what Joseph did. He woke up somebody say wake up. up. I wonder today if you need a wake up moment. You may have had your wake up moment in 1995, and I picked 1995 because a lot of people I love and respect got saved in 1995. In fact, my wife was one of them. Something was moving in our nation in that year. There was a spiritual move of God across our land, and I believe God is preparing to do that again. That there's many coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I don't know when your wake up call was in But if it was in 1995, hey, that's been a couple years ago. You need another one. Maybe your wake-up call was just this year. In 2018, you came to Jesus, and you came to a realization that you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life and surrender your life to follow him. You may have had a wake-up call. I'm telling you this, that as I've been walking and growing in my walk, my relationship with Jesus Christ, I've had to have more than just a couple wake-up calls. There's been those moments. You know when they happen? They happen in life's testing. It happened in those moments, I didn't expect this, this wasn't what I wanted, this wasn't, I didn't imagine this, and it comes in those moments. How did Joseph respond? Here's what Joseph does, number one, Joseph does this, that Joseph surrenders his plan. What was his plan? When he woke up, he surrendered his plan, because when he went to sleep, his plan was to divorce her quietly. I'm even going to honor her. I'll divorce her quietly. But in his sleep, God got a hold of his heart. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. Some of you, you might even be sleeping in church, and God can still get a hold of your heart. Where, wherever you are, that God is getting a hold of, of Joseph, and God speaks to Joseph and says, hey, Joseph, that woman speaks through an angel. Mary, what she's saying is true. He speaks on her behalf. And he says, don't be afraid, take Mary as your wife. Joseph wakes up, and in that moment, in his wake up, his response was this, that he had to surrender his plans to take up God's plans. You see, there was a shift that happens. There's a shift that takes place. And for Joseph, it was this wake up moment that he came to and said, I've got to surrender my plan to take up God's plan. Do you know that our lives really come down to surrendering our will to His will. Surrender doesn't sound attractive. Who wants to surrender? Um, What I've learned is that it's better and easier to surrender when I know that the one I'm surrendering to loves me, calls me His own, desires me, and will care for me and made every promise to be for me and not against me. Amen. I know that I can surrender to him. Amen. See, a healthy relationship is when there's a relationship of trust, and you don't have to question what goes on, because you know and trust and believe that person. How I many know that's a special thing? Amen. And our faith ought to be that with God, that we have this trust, that we know, God, I can surrender to you. This surrender, maybe you're at another point in life, you need to have to surrender. Maybe not surrender all over again, but surrender new maybe you've been going through life and life's just been happening and you're doing life and life's good life's moving but you get so caught up in life that you've missed and have gotten away from living a surrendered life to God allowing him to order and to direct your steps that it would become a place of surrendered before God to let his work accomplish have you surrendered God's plan have you surrendered to God's plan here's number two what Joseph in this shift that he went in this wake-up moment when he goes beyond just in theory because in theory he was a good man he was a good honorable Jewish boy but then he's at the moment of testing and that's where theory becomes proven or the theory becomes more than just a theory becomes proven here's number two Joseph surrendered or Joseph honored God's process He honored God's process. This was God's way of doing things. Here's the text that we read that when he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. And when he did, it says this, he took Mary to be his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. Now, I don't think I need to tell you that when a man takes a wife, and decides to wait many months until the relationship, how many know that's not normal? I know some of you in the room are like, oh my goodness, they can't even talk. I'm sure there's some guy in the room like, hey, I don't know what he's saying, but I'm awake now. I don't know what's going on, but I'm awake now. What are we talking about? What do we got here? What's going on? This is is the, the, you can read this and go right past it, but come on. When this man honored the work of God and did not take what was his. By the way, he took Mary as his wife, the rightful thing, but he honored the process. You know why? Because there's a waiting process. And what he did in the waiting was this. His waiting was he lived like she belonged to God and not to him. I wonder if we've come to live life where we live like it belongs to God and not to us. Do you know what that'll do? It'll teach us to wait in moments when we want it right now, when we want what we want right now. Well, it teaches us to surrender and to honor God's process in our life. That when we live like it's not ours, but we live like it's God's, that is the life of stewardship. That's how we live in our possessions and all that we are, that we live our lives honoring it like it does not belong to me, but it belongs to God. So I'm like, how in the world did you get that from that text? Come on. They're in relation. They're married. This is, what the, this is, this is the, the, the process. But the willingness of the process was to say, God, I'll honor and do this as it belongs to you and not me. How many know that it's learning in life? That's a shift in moments, and that'll take you beyond theory. When you quit living and doing your job like it's yours and know that it's God's gift that God gave you. That you start doing it, not because it's yours, but you've given it back to God. That all that you have, you can say in theory, everything I have comes from God. But it really matters in how you honor the process of what God is producing in your life. You learn patience when you honor God. You don't learn patience when you just live in theory. Because how many know, if it's in theory, well, I don't have patience for this, then it must not be God. So I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to find something else. I'm going to respond to another... But when you honor God, Joseph had to make this decision. He made this decision in, in this wake-up moment that he honored God in the process. He lived like this, like she belonged to God and was not her own. That this is a moment of shifting, a moment of change. Number three is this. Joseph called out purpose, and here's what the, the scripture, the text where we get this. It says that he says that he named him Jesus, and he didn't just give him any name. He gave him the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say the name of Jesus with me. Jesus. I don't know about you, but there's still no greater name than the name of Jesus. There's no, uh, just one more time. Come on, somebody say the name of Jesus. In fact, I think we ought to take about 10 seconds and just honor and bless the name of Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We lift up your name above every other name. There is no other name under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. His name is Jesus. I'm telling you what, I can't help, but when I'm walking somewhere and someone will just either in, a, in an aisle or wherever it is, out and about in town, they're like, Jesus. I'm like, where, what? We're praying right now. What's going on? <laughs> I said to somebody one time, they, they, uh, they talking to somebody and we had some bit of relationship. They knew me at some level, a little bit. Anyway, uh, made a comment. He said, oh, Jesus. And I said, if you don't know him, man, right now, I can tell you he's real. And he, there's a name that I don't take lightly, and that's the name of Jesus. I'll tell you this, don't you even. Now, when it comes to my, 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 uh, my own names in my house, my wife, I mean, don't ever. You know this, man. If you have an issue, you're probably not going to get on my good side. Coming to me and complaining about my wife—that's not going to do well. I mean, it's it's, not—you know—I like you, I just don't like your wife. Well, then I don't like you. I mean, we're done. (laughs) It's over. God bless you. (laughs) Go go wherever. But why? Because there's there's the name. You know what? Greater than that name is the name of Jesus. Every time we say the name of Jesus, and here's what Joseph did—he named him Jesus. Number one, because that's what the Lord told him to do. But the moment he spoke his name, he spoke purpose. Because his very name, Jesus, means this, Savior of the world. Amen. Speaks purpose. Speaks purpose in that moment and declares who he is, that there's a declaration that is made. When I went to college, I had to make a declaration. I had to declare my major. And if I didn't declare my major, I would just be in general studies. It would be undeclared or in general studies. But I declared a major. And I wonder, maybe sometimes too often, instead of declaring a major, we're just hanging out in general Christianity. We're hanging out in the theory of Christianity. Ah, one day, I don't know, I have an idea. I don't know. I'm not really sure. And that's okay to get in Introduced to who Jesus is. But at some moment, how many know that when you're in this relationship or you're growing, at some moment you wake up to the reality that it's more than just a theory. He's one who deserves our everything. He's the one who we can trust with our entire life that everything shifts at that moment and we begin to declare who Jesus is. And we speak life declaring life. If you wanna know if we're living in theory or not, it can be affected or be determined sometimes by the way that we talk. In fact, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come. They're gonna help us close, and we're gonna sing the song of declaration. And I know usually that means, oh, the worship team's getting up, so I will too. If you're on the worship team, come on up here. So if you'd like to stand and come up here and sing right now, wait, I shouldn't do that. That might be dangerous. <laughs> never mind, never mind. We're gonna wrap up in just a moment. But we're gonna sing a song of declaration because I wanna encourage us today that we don't just get comfortable or just settle to do life in theory, but we live with conviction. That we can get good at sometimes, you ever meet anybody who's good at giving advice, but they don't know how to take their own? Don't point, don't point. Please don't point to me. Yeah, it's you every Sunday. Help us, Jesus. No, no, Lord, please don't why? Because we'd rather consult than live with conviction. We'd rather be the person saying how it ought to go and what it ought to be and what we ought to do. And can I tell you the best way to lead? By example. If conviction gets inside me, I've told you this before. My number one goal in life, my number one goal in life Absolute number one goal in life. I don't think I'm carnal for this. My number one goal in life is that should the Lord take me before my family, that my kids will stand at my grave and say he was the same man on stage as he was at home. He was the same behind doors and another side of the door. He was the same man. That's my greatest prayer. My greatest desire is that I would live a life That would not become something in theory, but it's in practice. That we live it out, that this becomes the conviction of our heart, that the truth. In fact, I think religion just muddies things up, and and religion can go from too many sides. You can be so religious that you can do whatever you want, and then you can be so religious, you're so... You're so legalistic, you judge everybody else for everything doing, and it's uh, religion is on both sides, and they both make God puke. They're both not of his desire and liking, but that we would walk wholly before God. I, um, I, I would encourage us in this declaration, another thing that I would see that in our lives of of either living in theory or living in reality and the truth, is how we talk. But I would encourage you or challenge you. If the people you consider closest to your life don't know how important Jesus is in your life, then that might be the moment to ask yourself, is this really just a theory or is this conviction? It's kind of hard to say that we make Jesus everything, but we don't even talk about him. We talk about our work. Okay. We talk about sports. I didn't even expect that Heisman to happen that way. I mean, that was not even... Did not imagine that, how that would all be picked and how it's going. I didn't expect... We can talk about sports. We can talk about all that stuff. Nothing wrong with that. And I had to shift from the way I was trying to walk my life with Christ... Was well, I gotta make sure Jesus is number one, and that's absolutely true. And I always looked at this, it's gotta be priorities. I gotta have Jesus first, then I gotta have my family, then I gotta have ministry, and I'm putting them in an order, and that sounds right and it is right. But I kind of got this sense of no, it's not in order because Jesus isn't first, Jesus is everything. So it's not that I make Jesus first, it's that I make Jesus the center. So every moment I'm with my family. Jesus is a part of that moment. Now, you might think, well, does that mean you like talk about Jesus all the time? No, not all the time. But my kids probably do think I talk about it more than they would. (laughs) I'm always bringing up a sermon idea or something that we could. They're kind of used to it. They grew up in a pastor's home. It's not every moment. But you know what? Jesus is a part of my conversation. It becomes a part of our lives. And if the people we spend our life with don't know how important Jesus is, could it be that He's not really as important as we, in theory, say He is? Man, I that, I want to preach a Christmas message. So peace to all, and I don't want to make it sound, but I guess just direct to say that, hey, if Jesus is going to be that important in our lives, then it becomes what we declare. It was March last year, um, yeah, a year ago. We were driving from Morgantown, Jaren had come home for a college break. And those of you that have kids out of the house, you know that nothing's ever the same. And so when everybody's home, you make the most of those moments. And so it was last March, we went and had dinner in Morgantown, driving on 43. Jalen had just gotten her license. And uh, in January, she's a great driver. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. And uh, I'm, I know it's a Saturday night because I'm looking at my notes, my sermon notes on my phone. On my Google Docs and I'm, I'm reading my sermon notes and I'm sitting in the passenger seat we're, we're doing at least 70 miles an hour on 40 heading north everything's good and everything's fine until out of nowhere boom the only thing I thought right away my first thought who died I'm serious not in humor not in anything I've never experienced that in my life my first question was who died someone in the car or someone outside the car Some, someone died something did die it was a big buck that we did not have a chance to turn into any venison or any it was it was hamburger right off the bat and we're in the vehicle and and obviously man jalen being new at driving and she's a great driver but in that moment i can't imagine the terror that comes over and i'm dad and so i'm like did not imagine this didn't see it coming i'm not even paying attention I know some of you are like, shame on you. What kind of driver? Dad, are you not paying attention? Okay. What am I going to do? God, dear. I got to be honest with you. I, I kind of think like, God, it was your grace not to because who knows? No one saw it. No one screamed. No one did a thing because no one saw it. You know in life where you can't even see that coming the moment she hit the the smoke from the airbags fills the room the, the car never experienced this in my life and all I see is this fog and I hear my daughter <laughs> uh, I don't want to think about too much because I hear her words daddy daddy Daddy." now every dad in the room who has a daughter know that'll mess you up so let's not think about that She's saying, Daddy, 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 I, I, I did what do you do? I, I tell her to stop, but here's the problem. We're in the right lane, and the car has already veered across the, the, the broken line, and we're in the lane of oncoming traffic. 70 miles an hour hitting that probably moved immediately to now 40, 50, 40 miles an hour, and no idea what's coming on the left side. We're already in the lane. By the grace of God, I take the wheel and I just start to push the wheel moving over across the solid line and push her leg down to just come to a stop. By the grace of God, there was not a car coming 70 or 80 miles an hour the other direction. I don't want to create like this story that's all crazy, but it's just the facts of the matter. If it were not for the grace of God, it could have been a whole different story. We go across the broken line into the solid line and as we're there there's this moment what do you do because you're already in this lane you're going across the broken line and the broken line is just putting you into more traffic or the potential of more traffic the only place you need to get is across the solid line because that's the place where there's safety and i wonder today if in this place of worship there's someone in their faith and you're just going across the broken line you're living in the broken pieces and you're crossing the broken line, but you've got to get across the solid line because in between the broken lines or in between the solid line is just a broken line that just takes you from one pain to the other, from one moment to the next, and you're just in theory trusting God, hoping for the best, but until you get across the solid line, you're just left in the place of adversity and difficulty. I know I didn't see it coming. I know it was an unfortunate event. I know I didn't do anything to deserve it. It was not God's anger, God's punishment. It was life. And life happened in the middle of that broken line. But the grace of God took me across the solid line. That in the midst of my brokenness, He knows how to uphold me and keep me. But it matters today to say if there, either this is in theory or this is in truth. How do you respond when life doesn't go the way You imagine when it's not the way you imagine. I wonder today if we're stuck between across the broken lines. God says today, I want you to get across the solid line. Your faith that has become a theory. It's a great introduction. But quit letting your faith be an introduction when God wants it to be a conviction. Your confidence. Your anchor, what holds you, what keeps you. What's your testimony? Because the last point is this: if we're going to be people who go more than a theory, then we've got to tell somebody our testimony. What was the last time you told somebody your testimony? What was the last time? Now, listen. When I say testimony, <laughs> don't try and make it up. This is my testimony. My testimony is that at the age of seven, I heard the gospel and knew that just because my dad was a preacher wasn't enough for me to get to heaven because my dad was a preacher. At the age of seven, I had the knowledge and understanding that I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. You know, someone in the room is like, oh my goodness, my story's altogether different. Yeah, that's your testimony. This one's mine. This is my testimony. Yeah. Yeah. I snorted Kool Aid once. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's like, well, then you're a goody too. No, I'm not a goody. No. What'd you say? That explains a lot. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> we got to wrap up. Stop. Look, here's my testimony that I am where I am because of the grace of God in my life all that I have is because of the grace of God in my life you know it'll never be anything else oh boy you, you know well you just had everything handed to you we're recording this and it's live but if you've met my mother's family what sorry mom The fact that my mother came to know Jesus is a miracle so far from the gospel but through a funeral in 1974 God started something in my family that in 1979 got a hold of my dad and I was two years old already at the moment and God delivered my father of alcohol changed his life turned him into a preacher and I'm here today because of the grace and the goodness of God. That's my testimony. It's the goodness of Jesus Christ in my life. Not of works, not anything that I've done, not that I could boast, but that Jesus Christ redeemed me. This is my testimony. Testimony. I think today we ought to end with declaring what our testimony is. Don't forget how far God has brought you. Because when you remember how far God has brought you, it will give you strength to know that no matter what you're going through today, He knows how to get you across whatever happened in your life. Even when life is not what you imagine, there is a God who says, why would you settle for what you can imagine when I'm the one who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask Think or imagine. Why get tripped up by what you can't imagine or what you can't imagine when there's a God who says, I want to bless you and work in you beyond your own imagination. That's the God that we serve. This is our testimony and we hold on to this hope.